Welcome to the station of Decapitation Without Your Head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by Michael Lombardi, the lead star, producer, and co-director of The Retaliators. Hello, Nasty Neal. Thank you for having me, brother. How are you? We need a we need an M uh, murderous Michael maybe. We'll, we'll, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. It's better than marvelous Michael maybe. I like murderer Michael. Cool. All right. <laughs> so uh, coming to theater September fourteenth. So that's very cool. And now, uh, speak of that, you've been with the movie since you know it does uh, film festivals. Now it's having a wider release. Um, that's going to be exciting, I assume. You know, going with a movie for so long. Yeah, very much so. I mean, look, making a movie is not an uh, easy task. Uh, in fact, quite the contrary. It's very difficult. And then doing it through COVID. And then, you know, you find a script that you fall in love with. Then you have to shoot the thing. And then you go through the editing process. So I feel really happy that I think from the film festival run and through some of these interviews that I've been doing and some of the feedback we've been getting, it seems like all the things that I really loved about the script are somehow getting picked up on uh, by our viewers who who actually in the audience that has seen the film so far. So it's exciting. Yeah. So I speak of that, like, um, how did you get involved? And since you are, you know, the producer on it, uh, co-director, uh, when you first got involved, was it strictly as the as the role? Crazy story. Um, I'll, I'll try to tell you quickly, but get this. So years ago, early 2000s to the mid 2000s, I had a, I had a band and we had a record deal. And I was uh, I'm an East Coast guy, but I was back and forth to California a lot. I was out there. My music manager at the time was like, you got to go write with these amazing songwriters, uh, the, the Gear Brothers. These guys are amazing. They just write amazing music. They had a record deal and a band uh, but previous to that. So I would drive about an hour and a half to Southern California from LA and I'd sit down and write with these guys and we really hit it off. We just, uh, our, 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 our instincts and our creative collaboration was just through the roof. So several years had gone by, I hadn't spoken with them and I was on the set of another movie and I called Darren, Darren Gear. Now the Gear brothers are the writers of the script, right? So I called him and I said, hey man, what have you been up to? I was doing a, a, a playing one of our songs in a charity event. It was called When Heaven and Hell Collide. And I had to drop it like a half step and it was already in drop D. So I'm like, is this going to sound muddy? Blah, 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 blah. What have you been up to? He said, my brother and I have been writing screenplays actually. And I said, send them all to me because I knew what talented guys they were. I just felt... Uh, as I said, just so aligned in our taste. And I loved their writing as musicians. So he sends them to me. One of them was the retaliators. I was on a plane to LA within five days. Um, And if I can talk about the things that just turned me on so much about the screenplay to begin with. Yeah, definitely. I'll be interested. You know what, what, what really connected to you? Yeah. You know, when I read it, I I felt, let the musical aspect jump off the page. Not because it said, hey, this band's here or this soundtrack's here. It just had that wink to the 80s, the great films with the awesome soundtracks, the great horror movies. Plus it has the thriller. I thought it sat on the highbrow side of horror that's story driven, Mm -hmm. but yet you have all this this crazy third act. And anyway, the music like like Lost Boys, Judgment Night, The Crow, uh, Breakfast Club, just all those movies that I, I loved. I was like, man, I see this. 
And then I saw this Spielbergian sort of Joe Dante gremlinsy sort of small town beginning into this slow burn acting story, which really turned me on because that's what I am. And I'm an actor first and foremost. And I've, I've been one for a while now. It's my first time getting on the other side of the camera. But I just love that. And I saw like aspects of um, like graphic novels, Sin City, um, you know, this this villain who's literally like right out of the 80s, like literally the Terminator. You know, he's not multi-layered and he's not, it's just, he's the bad guy. Um, I love that. And then the third act, this crazy sort of Tarantino-ish, if you will, like crazy third act uh, with a nod to uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Evil Dead. Um, I, so all these things. So I called Darren. I was like, oh my God, dude, this, 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 this. And he's like, exactly. And I'm like, we got to make this thing. And that's how it happened. Yeah. I like you said, you know, a highbrow or a level of horror is um, because I really like when the movie progresses, I think it really asks the audience like um, to kind of look at things differently. Because like if you were in this situation, we've seen a similar thing in movies, but but now you're put in the position. What would you actually do? That's exactly right. You know, the, the, it asks this provocative question. If you had a minute alone with someone who killed your loved one, would you take it? Mm. And I think even though, like, I think the movie doesn't even take itself too seriously through, through many moments, but yet that's what I loved about it too. But I, I think, uh, uh, I think it asks this provocative question. And I think you can leave maybe talking about, you know, religion, morality, justice, Look, at the end of the day, it's a revenge tale, right? Which is the oldest story in the book. Uh, however, like it's as old as Shakespeare writing about love, but it's told in a little bit different of a, a way. And especially with the character that I play being a man of the cloth, you're kind of like, it's an interesting question to, to ask him. And then there's that thought process of like, look, if you really had that minute with this human being right in front of you, would you take it? You know, would you be able to hurt someone? And I just think it's, um, I thought it was, it, it was a really interesting way of telling this uh, age old tale. It's a primal instinct, you know, yeah. and it was, it's, it's interesting. And it's, it's, I think sometimes hard to balance a movie or story where, so you have like stuff you could just watch on the surface because it's really fun to watch the gore and, craziness in the movie but also has like like we just talked about like a message there and, so, and if i think if you go too far with some things that you kind of preach into people and that can turn people off because it's still a movie so yeah. i think it, it really balances that well thanks so much yeah i mean and i think like if you're watching it half the people are going to be on the side of like go get this guy yeah. and the other half are going to kind of be on the fence which is interesting um but yeah, I mean, if you could accomplish that in something, look, the movie's not for everyone, right? But any movie that is, isn't, that's not my taste. I like pushing a few buttons, having, it's a popcorn movie, but yet it has a message, it's entertaining. Um, or, or, or so I'd like to think, you know, when you make something like this, this movie, the script has been a family member of mine for a long time. And, you know, you try to, uh, you try to bring it across the finish line with the things that you loved in it to begin with. You know, you have to have so much passion and, and, and love for the project and hope that uh that you make it you know but the genre itself did that come to any issues when you're getting the movie out there because to me it i i like movies that kind of are or doesn't necessarily fit in one genre or they fit in multiple genres because you could say this is a horror but maybe it isn't a horror to certain people and mm -hmm. i think those kind of movies play really well at festivals but what was that hard at all to, to get the movie out there since it is you know uh, multiple genres 
Well, I, 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 first, I really appreciate your take on that because I think it is a thriller horror. Like I said, it's horror, but it's story driven. And again, taking that part of the character I play and acting in this, that's what I wanted more, you know, very, very much. I love the scenes between myself and the detective Mark played by Mark Menchaca from Ozark and so many other things. He's such a great actor. And I think, um, I think that when you do do something like that, the line can be blurred a little bit. So maybe it keeps you out of things. But I think that in my experience, that can happen more at like the Golden Globe level. Like, is it a comedy? Is it a drama? But I think for us being an independent film, and I think that third act gets pretty gnarly. So I think uh, that helped in the genre situation very much. But I do want to say that we did get... Uh, into some uh, non-genre festivals as well, like the, the Orlando Film Festival, which has been over 20 year running. It's a wonderful festival. And it's uh, we, we got some awards there as well. Mm-hmm. And th- like last year, uh, a documentary won and several years ago, a one year, a musical. So yeah, we did get into s- some stuff outside, which again, to me, what just made me so happy because I saw both as you were saying. So, yeah, I, I, I think we had a really great festival run and it was telling a little bit of perhaps the way it might go theatrically or the way at least some people will pick up on it theatrically, you hope. Yeah. Quick about Mark. I thought he was great in the movie and it was uh, just a you know, side note. It's kind of funny. I just flew back from England and on the on the plane, I watched the whole last season of, of um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And he's in a very cool episode as a Klansman. So yeah. I was like, I know this guy. Then I was like, oh, yeah, that's who. <laughs> yeah, Mark's great. He was also in the first season of Ozark. He had a major role and he was so good in it. And then uh, also uh, Stephen King's uh, Out- The Outsider. Oh, okay. Yeah. That too, recently. That, that was, and then, um, as you just said, you know, the guy, it's funny, we we both studied acting at this school in New York City called the William Esper Studio. And anyway, you can get into the whole acting thing, but we didn't know one another there. And when I saw him being possibly available for this role, I was like, I want this guy. I thought he just has so much gravitas and like his- he had a great voice and a presence. Yeah, and for that small town detective, I just thought he would be phenomenal. So I, uh, and, and then we just really played. We had so much fun together, yeah. man. And I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a sense to him. Maybe there's something you know not right with him right away. So uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And then uh, Joseph Gad as the the villain of the movie. Uh, he's always great in everything. So uh, yeah. what was like uh, your fight scene with him? Like the film. Dude, he killed me. (laughs) Seriously. Like he was, so we had to do a lot of it. He's really good at it, luckily. And I was on a television show called Rescue Me for a long time. It's about New York City. So so I had a lot of stunt uh, training through that because it was a pretty physical show. Um, So... So that helped, but he's such a big guy and he has to throw me around a lot. And he's so good at throwing the punches that you then, you know, fake. And and the other thing was our stunt coordinator, Norman Douglas, was on Rescue Me with me years ago. So I knew him pretty well and I called him up for this and I'm like, hey, Norm, can you do me a solid? So he was amazing. Gat's such a pro. Um, We shot the crazy thing was nights, a lot of nights for those fights in the middle of the woods. It was 19 degrees and we didn't use some of it because then we sort of changed 
the ending a little bit. I don't want to give it away, but what happens there? We said let's give a nod to uh, to some other films, and 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 let's. We liked what we had, and we used a lot of it. All the stuff in the woods with me and the subhumans, but that. And he was just fantastic, man. He was such a pro. Um, it, you uh, at the end of the night though, one hundred percent bumps, bruises, scrapes, blacks and black and blues, and then a few, at least a solid hour back at the hotel in a hot shower getting the fake blood off that was another pain there's enough there's a lot of uh, blood in the movie <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. you know what the worst part is it's got like this syrupy sticky substance to it and i just i very uncomfortable on your skin but you know look we're making a movie it's not like you know i'm digging ditches or anything so i'm always so thankful i always need to say that when i complain at all because i'm not complaining i'm just giving mm -hmm. you the real it's um it's funny, man, like through my acting career, I've been doing it a while now. And I think people, it's about hard work, no matter what you're doing. It's all about the work, whether you're the guy behind the lens, the guy in front of it. It just really is. It's just a tremendous amount of passion and hard work. And the rest comes, you know, like now I'm sitting here doing an interview with you and you know, hopefully you like the movie and other people yeah. do. That's great. But it's really just about the work and the obstacles and the struggles. And I told you about COVID and then egos and you're trying to get this done and this on the screen. And it's always been about the work from day one of being a broke actor in New York City, just walk, you know, doing little plays and all that. And then to be in a movie that you know, with the, with the caliber of people that we were talking about and the music with it is pretty cool. You know, were you hands on, on what music is actually played in the movie? Well, so what happened was when I was telling you that story earlier uh, about me calling the, the gear brothers and doing that charity event, and playing the song. So get this at the charity event is Alan Kovac. Alan Kovac is the CEO and founder of Better Noise Music, which is a huge record label. They have over 40 huge bands, Motley Crue, Five Finger Death Punch, Ice Nine Kills, Papa Roach, on and on. And uh, he's a, he's a, he's a, you know, a, 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 a major force. I mean, the guy is a huge music manager. He used to represent um, the Bee Gees in the day, Meatloaf. Anyway, He's at the charity event I was singing the song at and I went out to dinner with him afterward and I was talking to him about the retaliators and I was like, he's like, you know, we should do something. And I'm like, I think I have the perfect script. And then he said, you know, give it to me. We talked. He's like, let's do it. And he put his musicians and his songs in the film that lend itself because how many guys can do that you know what i mean he's like five finger death punch darkness settles in we've got amazing and we place together he's like i want this song in but we didn't know where and of course the music has to support the scene it has to support the objective the actors and, and the characters and the emotional you you want it to support and, and, and heighten the emotional response, not hinder it. So we were really careful when we did that. And uh, yeah, it was him and I collaborating through that and, um, you know, him knowing his bands and music so well. Yeah. How about the editing itself? Because, you know, it's one thing to film the movie and then you see the, the finished film and it's got the uh, score and sound and everything. Were you uh, there? Did you see like as it's being edited, like different cuts of the film? hundred percent more than I could ever like want to. That's the one thing you, you never, uh, you never see it with the same colors as anyone else. You know, I've seen this thing so many times and uh, a guy named Randy Bricker, I brought on to edit this 
and he's phenomenal. So what we wanted, Alan and I discussed it, we wanted to have a guy who knew story and horror. And Randy was an apprentice on the movie The Firm with Tom Cruise. So he had story, I Am Legend, he was on all the way to the Halloween franchise and to now and many more. And now he's an editor on the Chucky series on TV. He's the head editor. So we found him. He liked the cut. We gave him a rough cut. He liked it. And he's like, let's go. And he was the perfect guy to bring in the different directors and the story and these this multi-genre, you know, it even gives a nod, I think, to like Westerns or Death Wish, Charlie Bronson. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. He saw it all. Yeah. And he was the guy to bring it together. So throughout it, yeah, we worked very closely. It was a really, I, I've learned so much about filmmaking and uh, everyone's role, you know, and especially being a producer, the crew, man, these, it's all about them. They work so hard and their loyalty. And they just, they stood by me through COVID. COVID got scary at times. We were shut down and there are so many different um, uh, restrictions and things put in place, rightfully so, that we had to abide by. And it wasn't easy. You know, it wasn't easy to make a movie during it. So did you start filming before COVID? Yeah, we did. We started filming and, uh, and then we, COVID hit in what, March, 2020, I think. Yeah. And it went to hell. We were, we had a SAG rep. So we were shooting in Connecticut at the time we shot, by the way, in uh, in um, Nevada, LA, New Jersey, Connecticut. The reason being is we wanted some scary woods in the hills of Connecticut, but then five finger death punches in Nevada. So there were reasons why Tommy Lee was in LA. So, uh, Anyway, the SAG rep, they send him a Screen Actors Guild, he, and he tells me that he, it, we are the second to last production in the world still filming. And the other one was in Arizona. And I said, okay, well, look, um, you know, we'll put you in a tent way over there, away from everyone else, because we're a pod now. You know, we've been together. So we ended up not being able to fill that full shooting schedule we had i think it was 10 days in connecticut but we did like eight of them because then it started to be like i felt like the mad professor i'm like i have to let people go home now i mean you know yeah, i'm yeah. so driven especially then because we didn't know you know how you know how serious things were going to get or you know yeah man a hundred percent and and we were all up in connecticut and it was different in connecticut than it was in new york you know you couldn't get toilet paper you couldn't do this and it was still right, right. coming to connecticut but people had to get home so uh, you know, and again, then going back out after that and following the protocols and, you know, we got shut down. We another long story short, we went to Nevada. Like I told you, this is after. And we uh, we we I brought most of the crew because we were already we were getting tested. You have to do like a test every day when you come into work. It's very costly, too. Um, and I think it's gotten better now, but especially then. And I'm like, we're bringing our crew. We're all good. So we uh we do that, but we need the locations manager in Vegas, right? In in Nevada, we're right outside Henderson. So anyway, first day of filming. So we're with that guy for like three or four days, just me and a couple others masked up the whole thing, every precaution. But on the first day of actual filming, I get a 911. Uh, we've got a COVID positive and I'm like, oh my God. And it was the locations guy, but he never made it to set because we would test out at the hotel or wherever because that's part of the protocol but anyway it was like a wednesday and sag shut us down 
and didn't even get back to us until Monday because they were so inundated. So we're shut down Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but he never was on set. And that's the protocol. But in, in the end, the crew never got it. We got through it. But there were a lot of stories like that. I could go on and on. And I know everyone has them during that time, but, you know, it was challenging. Yeah. Yeah, I, just, I don't like to make the, the show about me, but I'd filmed our my first uh, feature film um, February right before the, the shutdown. And then ah. for two years, it was, uh, you know, trying to get it finished. And we so just you had know. the premieres. So, yeah. yeah. You do horror? What'd you do? Uh, yeah, the Once in Future Smash. It's a documentary about um, two horror actors who both take credit for a uh, 1970 slasher film. And then they're both booked at a convention in modern day. So we filmed it at a convention <laughs> like two weeks right before shutdown. So no uh, we way. just had the premiere at Fright Fest, which was very exciting. No way. We played at Fright Fest, too. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I, um, did you get to go to it? No, COVID. Yeah. I was so oh, right. I yeah. it was one of the best genre festivals in the world, right? Yeah, it was very exciting to be the first uh, feature I'm involved in. And it you know, premiered at such a big event, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Paul McAvoy's the guy. Yeah. There are others yeah. too. He was amazing. That's where our movie premiered. And we got all these reviews. And that's when I was like, whoa, wow. Because my goal was to make a film first. We have this great musical aspect in these cameos, but I wanted to be a movie yeah. number one. And that's a silver lining, you know, or a gold lining. But that's really cool, man. What's your movie called? Uh, the Once in Future Smash. Cool. I'm going to yeah. write down. Yeah, so hopefully we have a uh, LA premiere soon or a US premiere soon, and then um, yeah, but yeah, it was a very exciting experience. And like like you just said, seeing all the uh, the reviews come out up is uh, is, is very uh, cool for me. Yeah. yeah, totally, brother. Congrats, man. Thank you, appreciate that. So, did you get to? Uh, I know it was a it was a rough time. Most of the convention or festivals would have been uh, virtual, but did you get to see it with an audience? I did. The first time was, so we were in a lot of festivals globally, really. And, you know, I, it's so nice. It would have been so nice to be able to go and share with other filmmakers and see the reaction and talk the movie because it's all I've eat, breathed and sleeped, right, for, for the past three years. But I did get to go to a few. One of them was the Orlando Film Festival. Um, and it was really something, man, like... Um, they had the awards at the end and I got best actor and it was, it was up against some really wonderful people like actors who've been doing it a long time. And Joseph Gatt got best supporting actor and we got noms for writing. So that was amazing. And again, and then I went to, uh, um, this was the, this was a really big one too. Screamfest. Yeah. That's where we had our U S premiere in LA at the Grauman's Chinese theater. And we, we, we got chosen for the festival and opening night. So that was really special. Um, and we had a bit of a, they had an after party, you know, a red carpet and a lot of the bands came and to the movie, I think the movie really does well in the theater because it's big, you know, and people yeah, are like, there's parts. I, think that was, I mean, I, I like to watch all the movies when possible on the big screen. You know, I obviously had to watch this one uh, before the interview on, on my uh, computer, but yeah. I was thinking the whole time, like on the, the music obviously would is better in the theater and all the visuals because it's a very visual movie. You're 100 and plus the audience, I think, because I think people react to stuff. 
oh yeah, like beyond, like, it's not like there's jump scares. There are a few where you hear the, ah, but they're like, yeah, yeah. You know how like it has yeah. the some one liners that are fun. Another wink at the eighties. Like right. it gets, it was nice to hear the audience together in those moments. So it was like, Whoa, that worked. Wow. Holy. <laughs> you know? And then I saw it in Arizona as well. So I saw three at three different festivals, which was tremendous. Um, and I am leaving one out. Um, and I can't remember where, but I think it was, uh, oh, it was a great one. Anyway, so I, I, the, the whole experience was tremendous. Yeah. Another thing, uh, not just the music, I think something that's overlooked sometimes is the sound. And I think like the sounds of broken, breaking bones or teeth falling really adds to the, to the, to the violence in the movie. Dude, the sound design. Yeah, that's put in by Randy. Yeah. You know, another thing, and then we go to the post-production house and it gets really, that was another thing I got to do. I mean, you go into this, it's called, we did it at the Roundabout in uh, Burbank, California, and you go and you're on, you're seeing your movie. That's the first time I saw on a huge screen with the whole mixing board in front. And the guys are like, how's this? And me and Randy are like, yeah, bring that up in the mix. Bring this down for all the sound design. That was phenomenal. And um the other thing, man, I'm so glad you brought it up again. You, you know, the score, the Stranger Things guy scored this, Kyle oh, cool. and Michael Stein. Yeah. And again, with that wink at the 80s and stuff that we were talking about, to have those guys score it, they watched it and were like, hell yeah, we'll do this. And I was like, that was my first choice in the world, you know? Um, so that that's huge, too. Yeah. Well, I really like the movie, and uh, for, not just because you're here. Uh, for, all, for all the re – I like a gory movie, so I like that about it. I like the the violence in the movie, and I like I like the story, and I like uh, I like a movie that kind of it makes you ask a question of yourself. I think while you're watching. Thank you so much, and that would be the one thing that I'm you know proud of. There there are many things, and I've never talked about a project I've been been involved in this much because it's been such a big part of my life. I took everything, um, uh, and and I mean that in a positive way. I like to work, but it took 150 percent of my work and attention, and the people involved, and a lot of people to bring it to, to fruition. But uh, what I wanted to say was, I think what's really nice is if you do leave asking a question or you do think about it a little bit at word, a little afterward, that's pretty cool, you know? Yeah, I agree 100%. So um, it's coming out uh, September 14th at uh, theaters, and I recommend going to see it because I know some people, you know, the theater, I go to the theater every week because I think there's no better way to watch a movie, and uh, go and check it out. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, my pleasure. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for your thoughtful question. And uh, but where can people follow you or the retaliators to see, uh, you know, where they can actually see it? Oh, yeah. So you can go to the website, retaliatorsmovie.com, and you, it'll tell you based on this is the crazy, you know, data that where the closest theaters to you or you can put one in that, that you're looking for. And I'm uh, Michael uh, Lombardi official on Instagram. And then there's the retaliators movie on Instagram as well. And there'll be plenty of information there. So. Check it out. Very cool. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I think I got it around the right time. Brother, thank you. All right. Thanks again, yeah.